back. Welcome back, everyone. I got with me this week on the Sunday Puncher Podcast. You know me, Angelo. I am your host. I got none other than Lex here with me. Lex is fresh, reeking of the stench of uh, marijuana as he had a very good time last night at Barclay Center. Uh, I'm sure he'll tell you guys all about it. And then, of course, we have to welcome on our pal, somebody who I've done podcasts with in the past, as most of you should know. Uh, none other than Tim Boxeo was joining us this week. Guys, how are you doing? Doing good. <laughs> doing good. How are you? Lex, what's going on? I'm feeling good. My, my clothes is definitely still reeking from uh, last night. I had a couple. But that was that couple. isn't from the fight, though. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple people rolling up directly in front of me, but shout to them. They had a good time. I had a good time. Everything was good. First time back in Barclays, it felt really nice. I mean, this is the first time Lex has left his house since the pandemic began. <laughs> so the, 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 the worst stench there wasn't from uh, any illegal substances, but it was actually Lex. Hey, man, I stay fresh. Come on. <laughs> Lex, I've, I've been to the city recently and, and and a lot but i haven't been to brooklyn specifically in like 30 20 years and they showed an opening shot of the bar of barclays and i've never been to barclays and it looked like it looked like seventh avenue in like oklahoma city like there was no traffic in front it just looked really strange to me knowing that it's one of the boroughs like it was odd yeah, there there are definitely times where it could be like not so trafficy, yeah. but for like a big fight, there's gonna be like gridlock traffic. Okay, all right. Well, I just want to say that you know, speaking of that opening shot that Showtime had uh, of I guess like Barclay Center and the surrounding areas, it's super nice. Like I really want to go there. It looked really nice to me. It looks like a beautiful arena. It's my favorite arena. I've been to a good amount of. Uh, basketball arenas and Barclays is up there. Like I think most vantage points are pretty good. Um, it's not like old and dated. It has like a very, this may sound silly, but it has a really like unique smell to it. I don't know if they like infuse the AC with some kind of like scent thing or whatever, but when you walk in, there's a very distinct smell to Barclays. That's, that's nice. We talking <laughs> like, are we talking like, like black ice, <laughs> like uh car, uh, fragrance like what are you talking about Nah, definitely not black ice black ice is my least favorite pine tree flavor so. thank you thank you it is horrible sorry uh, to all our listeners it's like rock the black ice it's like sleek sleek cool hip smell i don't know i don't know like how to go like, you know what it is that. you know what it is lex i know you're a business guy you you uh, f- no don't get me wrong four seasons is not a hotel i stay with my family but i've been to meetings at four seasons and Four Seasons has that vibe going on. You walk into like a really expensive hotel and they have something coming through the docks, man. That makes you feel like you're getting some sort of, you know, premium experience. No, I mean, that's like the perfect way to explain it. Or a really nice casino. Both have it. Hotels and nice casinos. Does it smell like yeah. musk? <laughs> <laughs> musk up? Uh, oh, I don't know. I've, I've, I've definitely. Is it sandalwood? Is it? Is, like is the, it <laughs> what's that gum commercial? What's the the gum commercial? The five G five gum? gum or whatever G five is it? G five is something different. What's the gum where you like? They show the commercial. The guys like getting thrown around in like silver balls or whatever. I think that's five gum. 
the one where like you smell it and like you know your 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 blood vessels freeze over because it's arctic scent uh, or arctic flavor gum that's what it's like to walk in a bar place you hold just experience is just like it just changes in front of your face the temperature drops 29 degrees because they're this is winter spearmint <laughs> scent coming through the ac um all right last night danny garcia returned to the ring against jose benavides coming off of a two-year layoff after the fight we learned that his absence from the ring wasn't all just him you know enjoying himself and living out the life but there were some serious uh circumstances and issues that Danny had to work through in order to get himself back in the ring. But before we get to that, Danny Garcia, 12 round decision victory. I think there's probably one round that Jose Benavides clearly won. Let's just get the obvious out the way. Not a good night for the New York state athletic commission. Waleska rolled in, had a confusing scorecard where she had the fight even and then of course there was a Gary Antoine stoppage earlier in the fight that I think was ill-timed I don't think it was I think it was probably going to wind up being the same result but the timing of the actual stoppage and the circumstances around it were pretty terrible but anyway how did you guys think Danny looked coming off of that two-year layoff Lex let's start with you um so you know, for anyone wondering about my opinions of this fight or the whole card, I was sitting in the crowd. I didn't have like the perfect 1080p TV view. So with that said, I thought Danny looked really good. He looked sharp, like showed good movement. I liked his punch variety. Um, the whole fight, I was kind of waiting for him to throw an uppercut. I thought it looked like David Ben, uh, Jesus Jose, would like show, but David too. To that type of punch. But uh, Danny never threw it. But besides that, I thought he looked. Pretty, pretty sharp. I don't know if he's ready for, like, the top dogs at 154, but for, like, a tail end of his career run, which may include, like, a Keith Thurman, an arrow rematch, maybe, uh, Tony Harrison, Erickson Lubin. Your dream. I, I think he's ready for that level. He ain't, first of all, there, there's, like, of all the rematches Danny Garcia is going to have, he'll rematch Amir Khan before he rematches. Uh, well, you, but you it. know what I'm saying. You know what I'm I, saying. I know I'm what like, you're saying, but I mean, this is just... Uh... Like it's, very, it's, it's highly unlikely. I, real quick, I want to throw something out. As I'm sitting in my chair and thinking about Danny's career, he needs way more respect on his name. Like, I'm watching a guy last night that I saw like a decade ago beat up Amir Khan and beat up Matisse. And it's like, wow, like, most guys don't have this long of a run, stay sharp, can continue to perform, can continue to bring fans out and like be in a, a conversation of like not watch. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know. I thought it was like really cool to see Danny. It was like a nice uh, swan song type of thing, even though like he's got a, a little more in him. But I, I was definitely happy to see how the fight went. And I thought, again, I thought he looked good. What about you, Tim? That's kind of... Lex, that's exactly the lane I was going to go down. Like the, the thing that impressed me the most was after a two-year layoff, 34 years old, to be able to come back in the shape he, he did only, what, four, five, almost four, five, six pounds above where he fought at last is amazing. I mean, he, I didn't ever get the feeling. I mean, early, okay, so the first two or three rounds – um, Angelo, I think I posted something in your discord that I thought, shit, we might have a fight here. Like I thought 
Benavides speed was impressive in the first couple rounds enough where it was causing Danny a little bit of trouble. And then I realized or where I was headed with that was the, one of the reasons I was so impressed with Danny is he wasn't like a 34 year old who was going to measure his pace over 12 rounds. Like I didn't get the feeling at all that he was trying to pace himself over the fight because of a layoff or, or, or his age. And I, I was, I was really impressed with him. Now what that means as far as levels, like you guys are just going back and forth with, uh, I don't know, but credit to him. I mean, it was, I thought it was really solid performance. Yeah. I, I think uh, early in the fight, it did look like that, but you know, Jose Benavidez actually, I, I, I don't get that guy. Now, Danny Garcia looked really good. And in fact, you could say he's looked better than he's looked in a very long time. Um, how that affects him at 154. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I, I thought Danny looked really sharp. There were times where his defense was really nice. Um, but at the same time, uh, I just, one of the things that I was just struck by it was like Jose Benavidez is a guy that it's really hard to look great against. Cause like Terrence Crawford didn't look good against him. And I thought as great as Danny looked, it could have been a much different fight. And I think people expected a much different fight where they thought, all right, Danny Garcia, you know, former elite fighter going to come in and basically knock this dude out. And that didn't happen. And I think in large part, that's due to the fact that Jose Benavidez is like completely unorthodox and he's always been a little unorthodox, but I think now after getting, you know, taking a bullet to the leg, uh, <laughs> blowing up the weight to 200 pounds and whatever other stuff that he's may or may not have gotten himself into, he has like a really unorthodox style. And it's like, I don't, I, it's hard to describe because it's like, he's got a ton of balls with the way that he, he fights and it's 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 actually like kind of crazy. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like over the fight, um, you know, Danny Garcia basically just punches him like in the face. There's no other way to describe what was happening. He just like hit him in the face. Jose Benavidez puts his guard up, but also leans back, which is a big no-no in general in the sport that you don't lean back. Um, or you don't pull back from an exchange because it puts you in a compromised position, both like from a footwork perspective, but also like you're still vulnerable at that point to getting hit. And, um, but he does it. And Danny couldn't really do much at that point because of the size difference. But it was also just a, a, a really strange strategic uh, decision that he made. But at the same time, it really, really, really works for him. And, and I think that you know, I don't I don't see Jose Benavides beating a ton of guys at 154 whose names we would like that would come to mind pretty quickly. But I don't think he's going to be an easy out for anybody unless it's like Jermel Charlo who's going to come in there and probably like just land something devastating and end the fight. But Danny overall figured it out. His defense was like really good at times. I was pretty shocked. I, I we haven't seen that from Danny in a really long time. The defense was really uh really good. I think he's still and this is this is the thing that I was like most wanted to see and interested in. I don't know about how you guys feel, but Danny's always been someone 
that has been like we we've just had moments in his fights where like we just get crazy exchanges and is wildly entertaining still has that in him i don't know if you guys uh, noticed that but like i can recall many fights at the end of the fight where danny just said fuck it and started swinging and and exchanging like crazy and he he was it looked like he was still down to do it in this fight so i don't know in all i was very pleased with what we got from danny garcia one thing you mentioned well a couple of different things one the first thing you mentioned about benavides like if you couple his awkwardness with just the amount of times he he's clowning in the ring it's like <laughs> how do you fight a guy like that like you said you know i mean those two things in general, those two things co combined just make it fucking impossible to fight that guy. And on Danny's side, what a professional. I mean, how, how do you go 12 rounds in a fist fight with a guy sticking his tongue out at you every... And, and Danny never engaged in that shit. Never. It, it looked like he found it like funny because he would... like it, it looked like he was laughing or smiling for most of the fight. And I think maybe... He he felt the way we feel, felt was like, dude, this guy is, is nuts. And I just love watching counter punchers fight too. Like, I just don't understand that as, you know, if you've ever even put gloves on just to mess around with someone, I don't understand how you can do that at that level where you just sit back and wait for the attack. And then you know exactly what to do. This, the skill level to execute on that is, is next level for me from a, from a viewing standpoint. And he didn't seem, Danny didn't seem like he missed, missed a beat. And like you said, um, he's, he's engaging, um, letting his hands go in, in, in flurries from, from a counter. Uh, and, and he's not, dude, he's not even sweating when he's doing it. It's just, I don't know, man. He's, uh, he's a pretty special talent. And I agree with Lex. Like he's, uh, we need to put some respect on Danny for Christ's sake. Well, another thing about Danny is, um, and like, Counterpunchers are interesting because they tend to get themselves into close fights because the nature of being a counterpuncher is you have to wait. Uh, and a lot of counterpunchers or a lot of guys who are good counterpunchers don't do well when they have to take the lead. Uh, and Danny showed a, a bit of both last night. Now, here here's a question. You know, he's at 154 now. In the post-fight... Uh, press or not press conference, but um, the interview he mentioned potentially fighting Arizlandi Lara. Lara currently fights at 160, and he was in attendance. What do you guys like? Is that a fight you think Danny Garcia should be pursuing? I feel like he was in a while, right? there will be fighters that are like really good and talented and we've known them for a very long time, but something catches up with them. It might be age. They might have drinking problems. They might have female problems, drug problems. And Yo, you don't that, hear that was randomly thrown out. Very, that was very interesting that you just randomly threw that out, but go on. Yeah. I'll keep going. Um, they, they have these issues and they never, ever become public. They don't become public until some like random fighter that you don't expect to beat them beats them. And then they lose again. And then you see it on like boxing scene or Twitter or whatever source of information that you have. And I'm wondering, is Laura like, is his age finally caught up with him and he's chinny? Cause Danny isn't the 
the first small guy to call him out. Like they're talking about putting him in with the uh, Jose. I, think, I can't remember who it was, but there was another fighter calling out Lara that made no sense at all. Like someone from like it may have been Keith Thurman. I don't think it was Keith, but it may have been Keith. And I'm just like, what does everyone know that I don't it was know? Tank. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, is this guy getting like killed in sparring? Like, what's going on? But um, I don't know. I, I I'd rather see the uh, the Thurman fight personally. Well, the, let me just add one last thing that jumped into my head before before I answer your question is what you said about Benavides is the way it answers right, the way it ends right. Is all that awkward shit where he's putting himself in weird spots? He's going to get knocked the fuck out if they put him in with somebody like Charlo or or uh, push the envelope with him a little bit. Uh, the, the Lara thing, I mean, it's, uh, where do you want to go with Danny? Do, do you want, I mean, what, what's Danny's goal, right? Like if you want to make a big money fight with Danny, do you put him in with Lara? Not saying that he will or won't beat him, but Danny's not, a, I mean, as we saw last night, Danny's not afraid to be in a stinker either, right? And what does is, what is Lara Danny look like? That's exactly what I was thinking is I think it is actually a super interesting fight and I think people would be very interested in it because it's two names that you recognize. We've They've been on the scene for a long time. Both has experienced a level of excellence in the sport that 99% of boxers will never even get close to. And most of them Tim watches on the weekend. But um, I don't want to watch that fight really. I think I, I think I can get myself up for it, but I don't know if I want to watch it. I think, well, no, I, I definitely want to watch it, but I don't think I'm going to enjoy it is what, I, what I'll say. It's going to get a lot of heat, right? Like both guys are such so smart in the ring. I, I just don't know what that fight looks like. What do you think, Lex? Sorry, I was on mute. Um, what does that fight look like? I mean, I don't know. I like the new, like older Stay in my ground, Laura. But like, Danny at 160, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. And I, who I walks don't know. I forward like in that fight, huh? <laughs> who walks forward in that fight? There would be no walking forward. They would just stand <laughs> on like the logo for 36 minutes. Yeah, they just circle the, the logo for 36 minutes. Yep. But it's a weird, weird call up. I'm not. I'm not like I don't like that fight is just like whatever to me. It's just talk. I, like let's get, give me Thurman Garcia again. Like I want the theatrics. Y'all know every anyone who's listening to this knows I want my entertainment. Give me Thurman Garcia. I want the trash talking. I want Keith doing these ridiculous ass promos. <laughs> the fight wasn't even that great. The first one I was at it, but let's let's run it back. Let's run it back. Maybe Keith will step it up a bit more. Maybe Daniel step it up a bit more. You know Angel's gonna be on his shit because Keith has said that. Angel was lying about all these injuries that he that, that Danny caused and stuff like that. That's what I want. I want the action. Okay. Well, I saw some criticism because there was talk about a potential catch weight if that fight were to happen, and um, which is understandable. But like, I feel like there's. This has always existed in boxing. It still continues to be a trend. We're seeing it across the board. I don't think it's going anywhere. And like, because I, I was listening to a podcast this weekend about, or this past week about movies. And and there was a conversation around like uh, the lack of creativity in Hollywood. 
and specifically like we just see keep seeing reboots and sequels and prequels and whatever else like spinoffs you know there's gonna be a spinoff of um uh creed which is a spinoff of rocky and like you know point is there's no real creativity left out there and but on the other hand why do it well why you do it is because that's what people want to see and the numbers keep saying people want to see um they want to see stuff with with people established people that they already know that's essentially what it comes down to and Lara versus Garcia or however who would be the A side probably Garcia um oh no Lara has a title that's just something that would definitely be some that's like a fight people would be interested in because they know the guys and in their own right they're both boxing stars now that doesn't mean they're Canelo people okay don't get crazy boxing star is basically anybody who can headline their own card which both Danny and, and Lara have done so yeah it, it makes sense like you know if it's at a catch weight I, I don't think that that's the worst thing like Lara has not looked like shredded out and he's always been a pretty on the smaller side for 154 uh the move to 160 was kind of questionable from the start looking at how small he is or how small he's looked at middleweight so i think it's probably like um i don't know i i like the the fight on the or as a concept i just question how entertaining it'll be how many well here's a here's a question for you how many fights i mean do you think that's a fight next for danny let's say that fight gets made is that a a next fight that happens for Danny? Because if we just look on the surface of what PBC or Showtime is telling us, why do they, you know, why do they interview Harrison? Right. Why is Harrison sitting ringside? Is that a simple fight that can be made next for Danny and further fuel, whatever he does after that? Um, I have a theory. I could be totally wrong, but, Fundura is due a title shot at some point. I think uh, in the WBC rankings, um, Tony Harrison must be pretty high up there. I wonder if getting him a fight with Danny Garcia is kind of a way of keeping him out of the running. Not necessarily like on purpose, but it's like, look, he's probably not going to be... Let's say Jermel Charlo... Uh, yeah, he's number one in the WBC rankings. Uh, Jesus. And so, well, let's just go down the list, guys. I think this makes a lot of sense. Harrison's one, Tim Zhu's two, but Tim Zhu's technically the mandatory for the WBO, so you can just basically skip him. Liam Smith, who's just coming off of a victory over Jesse fucking Vargas. Charles Conwell. I don't even know if this dude is still fighting. I have not seen this guy in a, in a while. Then Danny Garcia... Harrison Lubin, who, uh, yeah. And uh, Sirhei Bohachuk, that would be a massacre if that guy got a shot against Jamel. Magomed Kurbanov, yeah, again, another fight that ends in a massacre for um, Jamel. Israel Majimov, again, another fight that uh, Jamel is just going to smoke this guy. And I think he's following the WBA path anyway, and he's higher ranked in the WBA. And then Jesus Ramos, who is like nowhere near ready to fight Jamel Charlo. 
uh, Sebastian Fundor is the interim champ, which is why I didn't mention him. And I think if you don't want to make Harrison versus Fundora specifically because you want to save Fundora for Jamel, I think that's a much better fight. And Harrison could potentially, I mean, we saw Fundora struggle with Sergio Garcia. I know Fundora is near and dear to your heart, Tim, but that was a really, uh, wasn't the greatest performance from Fundora in that Garcia fight. And you could technically make an argument that maybe he didn't deserve that victory. And that's so, why we love him. Well, yeah. I mean, Fundora otherwise has been just spectacular to watch throughout his career, save one fight. But if you don't want Harrison potentially in that in that mix of like getting the shot at Fundora and maybe making him look bad, because even if Fundora wins, Harrison's going to make him look bad. Harrison is way too yeah. talented not to. Yeah. I think like a consolation prize is an actually like an even bigger fight for Harrison against Danny Garcia. Yeah, it makes sense both on the business side and in the ring, quite frankly. I think everyone gets what they want there. Like as a fan, I, I think I'd I prefer this route here. Cause like in theory, like if we're doing what we're supposed to do, since Jamel's tied up with Zoo, Fundura should have to fight whoever's the, the closest to the top of the rankings, which would be Tony Harrison. But I think I'd rather see Fundura fight somebody else who's going to be entertaining and he most likely is going to win so that he then can fight the winner of Charlo Zoo. And then Harrison gets Danny Garcia. It feels like everyone wins in that respect. I, I agree. I think it's a great next step, but here's a, so here's the question though. Are we, are we, are we doing this as a first move of two on the chessboard? Because then after that, you're going to, you're going to, you are going to make the Lara fight because I don't know. I mean, it, 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 if you think the Lara fight is the one that you really want to make and there's money to be made there and it's like, Jesus, this is, this is where we want to go back to Lex's point about, you know, his, his, what you called his, his odd point about, you know, out of the ring problems. I mean, we learned Danny isn't necessarily having a great time out of the ring either. And so I, I don't know. I, I always worry about, taking too close of a look at the chessboard and it's like, just fucking make the fights that we, we want to make now. Um, well, I think you, you want to think long-term down the road. And so, by the way, um, we didn't say this and, and I think we, I, I do want to say this because I think it's relevant here. This fight played out last night, played out basically the best way that it could have. Danny looked really good. Um, but I don't think Jose Benavides looked bad either. I think his dad had said something like, you know, it's basically now or never for this guy. Like, you know, if he doesn't win, he has to retire or something like that. But I thought that this was one of those fights where we don't get him too often in boxing, but it's just so welcome when you get a fight where the, the loser loses and they can lose comfortably or not. But they, but obviously Jose lost a very, very clear decision, but I don't think he looked as bad as he did in that draw. And I think he looks like he can still go essentially that this guy can be in fights with other top guys. I don't think, well, I don't need to see him fight Jamel Charlo, but like if zoo or, or let's say Fundora, you know, doesn't no, 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 maybe not for Fundora is not a good one. But like, I don't know, let's so like if there's another guy at 154 coming up 
I Jesus think Jose Ramos. Jesus Ramos. Yeah, Jesus Ramos. That's a good pick. Um, Jesus Ramos, a guy who's coming up. Beating Benavides would say something about Ramos, and it would say a lot more than if this dude fought like I don't know some like nineteen and zero guy from Romania or something. I have a quick question about uh, Benavides that I wanted to ask before, but obviously when you're at a fight in person, it looks different than what you see on TV. I've seen some people say Benavides looked trash yesterday or just like not good. Would you guys say that that's true? Because it didn't seem like that to me at all, but you know, I'm not on watching on TV. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I, I thought, he, I think there are elements of, of, his game that are actually really good. Um, most of it is just the fact that the dude's got insane nuts. And like, I, I, I still just don't comprehend how he stands in the pocket sometimes and just pulls his head back and miss and gets like actually misses the punches. That is uh, like itself a pretty good skill. Like, look, let's make no mistake here. I don't think you watch that fight and the takeaway was Jose Benavidez didn't get past Danny Garcia, but he would get past other top guy at 154. That's not the takeaway. But I think, you know, is this dude losing to Sam Eggington? No, he's not. Okay. Um, although he hasn't won in like four or five years, so that it's it's not the safest bet. But I think that there are guys out there like a Kerman Leharaga who I definitely think Jose Benavides could beat. And I think one of his issues is that He's just not a big puncher, and he never has been. I think if he focused on on training up his power a little bit, he could become a lot more dangerous as a fighter. But I do think there's there's still some run in him. That's for sure. He looked a, like I'm telling you, he looks so much better than he did. It, like in that last fight, he legitimately looked like one he had been shot like two weeks ago and not two years ago, and uh. And he also looked like he hadn't boxed in two years. So this was definitely a far better performance from him. I mean, Tim, do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I don't think he looked like ass at all. Now, I don't think he... straight through it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he didn't. I mean, he... (sighs) It's a tricky conversation, though. I mean, to some degree, I guess I do understand what the person's saying, kind of like... I mean, that's essentially what Angelo pointed out at the beginning, right? I mean, he's just so fucking awkward. And, and then all the clowning on top of it, it's like, it really turns people off. Uh, but his skill level, I mean, his speed, I thought was really impressive for, for what he's been through. And he's got a lot of skill to be able to stand right in front of Danny and land the punches that he landed. Let's, let's not get it twisted. He landed a, f- a few nice shots and, and not just like one or two rounds. I mean, throughout the fight, he just couldn't sustain anything just because we're talking about levels between these two guys. Um, he definitely has a, has a place. I mean, he's just, he's just kind of a, uh, he's just kind of a square peg in a round hole from a stylistic perspective. And I don't think he took a lot of damage in this fight. I mean, he did, he did conclusively lose despite Willesco Rolden's uh, best efforts. I think he did definitely lose the fight. But I don't think he took like a ton of damage. Like there was, we were never in, in, I saw somebody say that it did look like he was getting hurt by the body shots or at least getting concerned about the body shots coming back at him. I, I didn't really see that. Uh, not saying that it's not true. I just didn't, I didn't catch it. 
but I just don't think that he sustained like a crazy amount of damage. Like uh, on, on one of our Patreon podcasts, we were talking about just uncomfortable, like just ass beatings really. And uh, examples of that over time. And like, you know, fights where you, you think they should throw in the top towel a lot sooner than they actually do. And uh, it was definitely nowhere near the dimension of getting to that point. Um, but yeah, I think we can move on from here. Let's talk about the return. Wait, I have a quick question. I, yeah. I did want to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. What did, did you guys have any thoughts on Terrence Crawford's tweet about Benavidez having one leg or whatever it was? He said something along the lines of, oh, Benavidez has two legs tonight. I mean... There's a couple of different ways that you can read that tweet. You could look at it as Terrence Crawford being thin-skinned and, uh, like, being thin-skinned about the fact that, like, he got criticism for the way he fought um, Benavidez and the success Benavidez had in their fight. And I think, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a, it's, it's it's fair. I wouldn't have sent that tweet out because, like, Terrence Crawford was, like, in the argument for being pound-for-pound pound number one. Danny Garcia has never been anywhere higher than maybe a fringe pound for pound talent. So like the evaluation of expectations between the two fighters is just, just not the same thing for one. Um, and for two Benavides has been like, this is not the same Benavides that you fought. Like, you know, you did fight the guy that's coming off of a bullet, but um, this is also an older, we've seen him look pretty bad in recent memory. So like, I don't know. I wouldn't have sent that tweet out. Uh, it says a lot about, or it's just, it's it, it just essentially, which I think is one of the phrases we're using these days more than usual. It was an unforced error from Terrence Crawford, but ultimately he tweets a lot and no one cares. Well, no one will care in like a day. Like, I like the recap. I think I agree. Um, all right, so undercard, Adam Konaki comes back. Lex, uh, Konaki's um, big in New York. I think uh, I, I question wh- how big the following for Adam Konaki would be, or Konatsky, whatever they want to call him. I questioned how big it would be given, you know, the recent Hellenius fight. And um, looks like the Polish crowd came out for Adam Konaki, Konatsky last night. Only problem, it just wasn't to be. Konatsky appeared to hurt his hand in the second or third round, and it was all downhill from there. But prior to that, the fight was amazing, wouldn't you say? I was so upset that he hurt his hand. I mean, it's not confirmed that he hurt his hand, I guess, but I saw it from where I was sitting, him shaking his hand. So I'm I'm rolling with that. But in the first two or three rounds or whatever, I was like, yes, like, I told everyone on the podcast that we're going to get the old Kalnacki. Like, Demarizian is a cool little fighter, but Kalnacki will still have enough to, like, do his 100 punches around, be tough, wear you down, and potentially get the win. And it, it that's what we were getting. The fight was super exciting. And then when that in, whenever happened in the third or fourth round, it completely ruined him physically and mentally because he he stopped using his right hand pretty much all throughout the fight, except for like these weird little body hooks. I think it was so confusing. I don't, I don't understand like what happened, but it's a shame because 
I think like the trajectory of his career went from like, you know, maybe a area, uh, Jesus, maybe a Ruiz fight theoretically down the line to like one more fight than retirement. And it's tough, man, but that's, you know, the sport we like. Um, Tim, you had to have been loving it. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, I mean, you have a propensity for tubby heavyweights <laughs> with uh, not a lot of defense and quite a bit of offense. I'm interested to hear what Lex has to say about how the rest of the fight played out well, after the fourth as a, as a fan, as a fan in the seats versus on TV. Can I but, just say that Lex incorrectly labeled Demerizian or Demerizian as a little fighter? That's a big boy. <laughs> I mean, is it? Like, how tall is he? Like six, six, four, maybe? He's got six, 100 three. pounds on you. Yeah, but he's. <laughs> I'm talking about compared to like Joshua Wilder, Fury. Like this, he's not like a jumbo heavyweight. He's a like, you know, more naturally sized heavyweight. Um, but like after the fourth round, I, I was just disappointed because I kept waiting and waiting and waiting for Kaunaki to throw the right. And that once I like after like two or three rounds, I'm like, it's over. He's not going to throw the right. He's just in there like a crash dummy. Like, it, you know what? This is when I realized it was really a wrap. How Naki was trying to lay on the ropes and dodge punches. And I'm like, yo, this what the hell does he think he is? Ali, like, nah, man, this shit's over with. Okay, I, I, I have to slightly disagree here because I do think that Konaki's defense, while on the whole not being good, it was better than it's been in the past. I know. No. Oh my God. Are you serious? <laughs> Dude, you've got to be fucking trolling right now. No, it, it, it was better. You than almost pulled Lex in. Lex was almost ready. To, you you no, guys like each other no, so much. I Lex see, was almost ready to agree with you. I see what Angela's talking about. Because watching, there were a couple punches here and there that was like, okay, Yo. Kanaki's like, clearly he's like worked on something. He and was like at least responsible. He was at least it, like had a defensive posture. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> his head was going back like pez as usual like, that was, those were the times when it didn't work but there were also <laughs> times when it did work it is sad though right like what what do y'all just uh lex said i mean how old is he 26 25 27 Dude, if adam konaki's 26 like i'm gonna feel real bad about myself i mean one more fight and retire is insane he's 33 is he really? Yeah. Shit. He just looks, it's obviously the nickname. He yeah, just looks really face. young. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a really, really entertaining fight. It would have been great to see how it played out if, like you said, if it weren't for the energy uh, injury. But obviously, we all needed to pay more attention down the stretch, even with the injury, because as much as Kaunaki's head was going back, that fight was damn near a draw, or, or uh, Demirzin almost lost it. Well, only on one card. The two cards were 97, 93, and then one oh, was 96, right. 94. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, one, you know, a round goes a little differently, and, and we're in um, some weird territory here. But um, yeah, I, I look, here's my question You got Adam Konaki, who came in at 251. 
which there was like a lot of hoopla about, wow, he's in the best shape that he's been in in so long. And I just want to say that he was only seven pounds lighter than the second Hellenius fight. Like, you know... It, I mean, haven't we learned our lesson by by having that conversation anyway with the whole Fury Wilder thing? Like, it can a fighter's weight at heavyweight can mean so many different things mm-hmm. in terms of where they've come from in the past, where they want to go, where they are today. Uh, it, it just w- weight alone, not to mention what we learned from Fury in terms of tactical uh, decisions, and it's just. Dude, it hardly ever means anything unless we have some gigantic explosion. Uh, or we're dealing with uh, Andy Ruiz. I guess whenever we're dealing with somebody who's like, all right, all right, you know, and you and you don't need a boxing fan to to determine this, but like when like anyone just looks at him and is like, yo, that dude is like, he's he's kind of heavy. Then you know we're we're in we're in those territories. Which we we weren't in with. Uh, I don't think we ever real. Well, I guess no. The second, the first, uh, the, I don't know. Somehow, Hellenius looked fatter in the second Hellenius fight, but he actually was heavier in the first one. But um, <laughs> Ali Aaron Demirzin was two sixty one, and like my question is like you know not really about the weight necessarily, but well yeah it is about the weight. Um, but like you got Konaki two fifty one, Demirzin. 261 all right by any stretch of the imagination these are big boys how couldn't they hurt each other but i i told i told you that neither like listen you got to think about it this was my rationale demarizian however you say it he didn't get hurt at let alone dropped or knocked out by fa Jogba, who at the time was like a really fearsome puncher and kautnaki he doesn't like he he's not a big like at his best. He, he was never a big knockout puncher. He would throw a lot of punches, wear you down, get you tired, and the fatigue is what would do you in, not the the, the power. And that, that's why I picked him by decision. And so I wasn't really shocked. Like neither guy, like them watching him in person, Demarizian has like nice little snap to his punches. But if you're a tough guy like Kaunaki is, it's not gonna be enough, especially if he has the energy to go through the 10 or 12 rounds. Um, they're just not, they're not that type of puncher at heavyweight. But how? Like, it physically does not make sense that no, this No, it dude... makes perfect sense. These guys spar all day and prepare to get their ass beat. Both guys were in good shape yeah, last that night. Is, that is it, what Konaki's doing. He's just like, yo, <laughs> just, I'm not going to block today, okay? Konaki just stands against the wall and lets people punch him in the face like those funny Instagram posts. Do you... I mean, it's, it's kind of like Hosea Stewart who fought yesterday. I mean, that guy has... That guy is enormous, great set of boobs, and it doesn't seem like he can crack Never an egg. Never said on this podcast before until now. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Yeah, dude can't crack an egg. I mean, it's just, yeah, heavyweights are weird that way. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, like, is this the end for Konaki? He's Konaski, like, or did the broken hand, and, like, I think anybody who watched it realized something was wrong with his hand, so it's not like... Like, this is some secret here. But did that buy him enough of an excuse to, like, continue his career? I don't... People are going to call me biased for saying this, and I don't care, but PBC doesn't, like... You don't get, like, the end of fighters, really, with PBC. You'll get, like, infinity chances until it's just, like, it's 
you, you're just trash for TV, which it doesn't – one or two losses don't make you trash for TV because people will watch. Well, I, I feel like there are ways to recycle Kaunaki if you want it to continue. There's always going to be some, like, fringe heavyweight dude that's in the PBC stable that's decent. Like, what? Like who's to say, right, that uh, Ruiz beats Ortiz, which may be a tall order, who knows, and then they want to put on Wilder Ruiz, and they do, a, and it's an it's in L.A. or Vegas, and they throw on Kalnacki Ariola rematch on the undercard as like I the mean, opener. That's not terrible. That actually, that actually might make sense. That's like but, a very PBC move. They take care of their guys. They keep them like it, people complain that they don't fight enough. But on the flip side, y- you're never out to your out. Well, my favorite thing that PBC does with uh, the aging fighters is like, you know, the, the the more pessimistic traditional boxing move is just like you just put them in there with names and young kids until they just can't fight anymore. But that's I mean, not the way they do it. Like if you actually look on their undercards every now and then you'll see a name. It's like, yo, he's still fighting. And it's like he's fighting a guy who's like eight and nine. And it's like, oh, they're really trying to rebuild this guy. Really, really. Like, uh, Victor Ortiz he, is still, like, occasionally on undercards. And that dude's fighting, like, a dude who's, like, 12 and, 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 and 8. And uh, going to decision. But that's neither here nor there. I, I was just about to say, these are the people that made Robert Guerrero versus Victor Ortiz. Okay, or, but or, that or, was far closer to, like, that was a long time ago. And, uh, yeah, also shitty fight. Actually, no, it wasn't even that long ago. It was, like, no, what, two years ago? it wasn't that long ago. That was, like probably within the year and a half from now yeah or how about here's another one that's a bit older when they made uh angulo versus uh that's what i was just gonna say quillen <laughs> okay first of all that was an amazing fight it that was. was that was the one time because like a lot of these fights where you get two guys it's like way past their prime fighting uh it like it, also after like numerous losses those fights usually don't live up to the hype and they wind up being like clinch fest but nah that fight was amazing wait 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 just so people know who we're talking about it was angulo quillen right yeah quillen, yeah okay just making sure that yeah amazing fight uh alfredo angulo really thought he that dude was about to be getting a title shot off of that win <laughs> um you know the best thing about that fight was like Oh my god! I would pay to get like a like two of those a year. Like both guys were fighting in slow motion, like in a dream where you can't punch your enemy. Well, we but just like, saw that last night. <laughs> but they, no, but like, but this was a Kaunaki lower was level. Kaunaki was hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lower level. Kaunaki was hurt, and Gulo and Quillen, like it was so perfect. Like both chinny. Both like punch speed and punch resistance was terrible. It was so entertaining. Ah, I might watch that on YouTube right after this. Uh, you know, it's funny is uh, yeah, I, I was like, like watching the Gary Antoine and Rancis Bartholomew fight, who like you know they're 140 pound fighters, and then they immediately toss on Konaki and Demarizan, and I swear my brain was like having a lot of trouble watching it because I was it, it was like if you watch a video on YouTube and then change the speed randomly to 0.25 <laughs> it just feels really weird 
and uh that's how it felt like and then again when the main event when we switched to the main event i was like i'm having a little trouble keeping up with these punches uh, my i had already adjusted to the essentially slow pitch softball punches of konaki and demarizin <laughs> why do you mess around with speed on youtube videos oh i usually i do actually pretty often and usually what I do is I put videos to play faster because I just, I don't have time to be listening to you, like, use too many words, which, which funny <laughs> enough, might describe the podcast. But some videos is like, all right, I need to learn how to take this pipe off of the, the I'm not, like, inclined to do these types of things. But, like, I need to disassemble the sink. And so I got to watch a YouTube video to do it. But this dude wants to talk forever. So I just put it to play at 2.0 so I can just see like, bro, I just need to know where, how I unscrew this. Like, just tell me. And so that's, it, it saves me time. Fair enough. Did you even know you can adjust the speed on YouTube? Yeah, I did. I did. All right, just making sure. Just making yeah. Sure. Uh, all right. And then Gary Antoine in the opener, he fought Rancis Bartholomew. Um, Rancis tried to remove some of the stigma around him being a boring fighter by like actually engaging with um uh, russell now the thing to talk about with this fight you know which overshadows everything really is the stoppage so gary antoine at the start of i think it was the fifth round jumps in with a left hook i think it was or yeah i think it was a left hook or a right hook or something catches Bartholomew clean it is a beautiful shot that he lands but then Bartholomew goes down, gets up. The referee says, give me your gloves. And then uh, he then has to pick up Bartholomew's gloves to clean them. And then takes a good look at Bartholomew and was like, nah, you can't continue. So uh, a lot of controversy there because Bartholomew was like, what are you doing? His corner was very, very upset. How did you guys feel, though? Um, Tim, did you think that this was a warranted stoppage? I didn't. I thought it was brutal. And I thought, you know what was funny is when they threw it back to the right before they announced the decision and they're trying to get a good replay, they do the old, well, let's get a replay and see what the see what referee, you know, long dick Harry has to say. And they throw it to law and they throw to the replay and he didn't say shit. Like he just, he made him walk over, it made him walk to him. But then when he grabbed his gloves and took it like three seconds to make the assessment, he didn't ask him anything. He didn't say anything to him. He just looked into his eyes and waved it off. I thought it was horrible. I have a counter to that. It's not necessarily to, I don't disagree with you. Okay. But I kind of have one issue with that. And so what was he supposed to say? Do you want to continue? Because that's what all referees say. When do you ever hear a fighter say they don't want to continue in that situation? They always say they want to continue. But here's the, okay, here's the counterpoint, right? Here's the counterpoint to what you're saying. How often, I mean, we're assessing a fighter going left, right, whatever. Motherfucker, you just got punched in the face to the point where your brain hit your skull and you fell down. <laughs> what are we expecting from these guys, you know? I mean, at least see if he's able to have a cogent conversation. Give me some sort of an answer. How are you doing? I mean, 
what are you getting by just fucking looking at him for four seconds? Whatever question you ask, I feel like you have more information than just staring at him. I mean, what was he supposed to ask? He's going to ask him to have a cogent thought. It's like, oh, can you name three of the 10 classic chess principles? I don't know. When they, after the fight, they always ask him, you know, what day is it? Where are you? That kind of shit. I don't know. I mean, all we have to do is to look at previous examples of what we're arguing about. And this didn't rise to a level of, to meet the criteria, I think, and 90% of people of saying, should this fight have been stopped? That's where I'd land. Did did we get any explanation from the referee as to why he stopped it? Or is it just because I know the, the commission had no comment like immediately afterward? I don't, I don't think, think we did. I don't think nah, we did. there wasn't any like referee interview. I, it's so funny. I hate the referee interviews normally, but this would have been a nice one to get it. I mean, but, yeah, all they do is defend themselves, right? Well, yeah, he's going to defend the decision. But like, is the, well, I guess the question I have. It's not even, wait, 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 wait. It's not even that they defend their decision, but like I I remember the ones that, that have been done on Showtime. And so it's Jim Gray being like a complete dick. And these guys are just like, all right, man, like at this point, I don't even talk about it. Like if you just let them talk, I wouldn't have minded it. I mean, Jim Gray's not very good at that, but. So I. One thing I do want to add, because this isn't one of my favorite people. I did see a tweet, former New York State Athletic Commissioner Randy Gordon, who now like has a guy. serious podcast, uh, said that 60% of the people on the pre- on press row thought the, just, the stoppage was justified. Like, what the fuck? Well, 60% of the people stormed the Capitol, too. Hey, the, no, I can, press, I can explain that. I'm, I'm savoring my, my thoughts on the stoppage to explain why that may be true. All right, good. You should go so that I'll go after you and and basically make sure no one cancels you. It's not a cancel. Okay, so listen. I, I haven't seen like a million fights in person, right? But I've been to a decent amount of fights. And, you know, the way Gary Antoine looks in person is insane. Like, I've never seen a fighter that's so explosive, so athletic, and so ferocious at all at the same time that you're watching and you're like, yo, like he, he's like a, a unchained pit bull with rabies. Like, why does he fight so just explosively? And it may not look like that on TV, but in person, I was in awe of just how rugged and like dogged Antoine is. And I, I was wondering as the stoppage happened, like, yo, did the ref just kind of like want to save, uh, Rancis, because the same thing kind of happened with Postal, where he, he got a stoppage that people who watched on TV were not happy with, but those people weren't there live. Watching him, I'm, I'm telling you, anyone who has the opportunity to go see him live, go see him and see if you agree with me. And I, I would compare it to like, a, and I know people, some people hate the basketball comparisons, but I have to do it. A Giannis, Harden, or Luka in the NBA who have all these little like gimmicks to get foul calls. Everyone who watches it is like, Oh, it's so stupid. They're shooting a million free throws. But, like, these guys have mastered the, like, how to get the look and get the attention of the ref to generate a free throw opportunity. And and part of me wonders, is Gary's style just so rugged that, like, refs are just like, Jesus, like, let's, let's stop this shit. We don't need to, like, get anyone hold, hurt. Hold on, Angelo, before you give a quick take. I, I have a really quick take. Is mm-hmm. that, aren't you saying, I mean, basically what you're saying 
is my is is coming into my world right of of club boxing where we're seeing a co-feature or or a supporting chief supporting bout where we're essentially saying this guy is just too he's just too skilled for the other guy so you know what we'll let him fight another day and i guess the counter argument to that would be i I, really going to start calling stoppages like that at this level which i don't think we should be well the key word you said there is at this level because i think on, on some level it does make sense you know like at big punch you definitely should be stopping fights in the first round if uh, a dude's been dropped twice and it's like nah this dude he's gonna keep getting up and get killed um but what that what that and what happens last night if we just follow lex's logic through essentially what he's, what we're saying is the ref is p- playing out the fight in his head and just like following the logic of the way things are going and making a decision at the right point of when to stop the fight really to save the guy that's getting stopped in this case Rancis. that's essentially what we're saying now i'm not saying i agree with that but like i i get it i guess it, it, it makes logical sense to me but at the same time that's just not something you want to see at this level even if the ref is totally true i guess i don't know it's a, that's more of a philosophical like how do you feel about like i i imagine but- that non-boxing fans would probably side with the ref there because that kind of makes logical sense but this is boxing like we're 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 not here we're we're here to see somebody get destroyed of course everybody wants to see someone get destroyed like i wanted to see it but at the end of the day these refs are all human and have all different temperaments like who's a ball-headed dude with the mustache that like wouldn't stop a stab wound in a, in a boxing match. What's this guy's name? Steve Smoger? Yeah, like, that was not Steve Smoger last night. Steve Smoger would have been like, all right, whatever. Go ahead. Steve Smoger would have said that Rancis slipped and picked him right up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Go. That's my point. <laughs> and so I, I just think that, like, it's, it's very much like human just temperament tendency to see Antoine throw, like, these guys – all over the place in person. He's doing all these pivots. His stupid hair is flying all over the place. He's throwing big bomby hooks. And like he gets stupid. you in the corner and he's just trying to wallop. Like there's not many, there's not very many people who fight like you. And I'm just like, man, like I could, I'm not sure if my rationale is the reason, but if it is, I get it. Well, there's a savageness that Gary Antoine brings into the ring, which I, th- I think is just like indisputable when you watch this guy. And no, he is a lot of fun to watch. Up, it doesn't come across on TV at all. At all, at all. I think if you watched... Uh, God, what was that fight? He... he. It wasn't the postal fight. I think it was the one before that where you're just like, dude, this dude the is kid, an animal. The kid that uh, had to almost draw with Broner. I forget. Right? Santiago. Santiago. Yeah, he, he, he kind of beat the shit out of him. But like, I mean, you brought up the postal fight and that also had a controversial stoppage. And I think there is something to the way... I think there's, there, like, there's an element of truth to what you're saying. But uh, the postal stoppage made more sense than this one because he took a lot more sustained damage than uh, Rancis did. You know, you're just talking about the way the fight played out and getting away from the stoppage for a second. I think Gary Antoine arguably lost the first two rounds. I don't know. But the the car, I don't know. To me, they were either close rounds or he had lost them. And one thing that looked pretty evident to me until he made an adjustment, which ultimately wound up like, I guess leading like to the stoppage, him. not saving him, but it led to the stoppage. Uh, Cause I, I do think that 
he was probably going to stop Rancis either way. But um, I think he wasn't really prepared for how physically strong Rancis was. And I was actually pre pretty impressed. I've always thought that Rancis is a much better fighter than he's ever been given credit for. But he also doesn't deserve to be given any credit because he's not fun to watch. You all right, Tim? Yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, but Rancis, uh, was physically strong and I think he, he was able to, to land on Gary Anton. I don't think he ever heard him, even though commentary th was talking about it. I don't think he really heard him. He got his attention. But I don't think he heard him, but, um, he was physically, he was physical with Gary Antoine, which is usually Gary Antoine is the physical one. And I think it worked out and I'd be interested to see how, as he develops, how, people come back to that as sort of a a tactic to use to get the upper hand on him. Um, and I saw one tweet from somebody, and I think it, it, it is like a really true tweet, and it, it's a good tweet about Gary Antoine in general, is that while Gary Antoine is a prospect at the same level as a lot of prospects, especially with where he's at right now in his career, um, he's get, he's fighting opponents that are so much better than most prospects at it at this point fight and he is growing a lot from these fights with like say rantis and then victor polso yeah what you said about uh rantis like i guess like putting on a little bit last night it, it was one of my takeaways after the fight it was like so cool how in boxing sometimes like it takes for a guy you think is trash to be in like a matchup that suits him very well to be like, hold up, hold up. He's not trash. He's actually kind of good. Like, cause like after that first round, I'm like, wait, hold up. I didn't know he could like hurt people. Cause that, I, or, and not to say I thought he got hurt for sure, but just judging off uh, the reaction, the movement from Antoine, I was like, he's either hurt or got like moved. Like he felt that shot. And so I, I don't know. That was, a, that was a very cool fight. Um, I wouldn't, mind seeing Rancis back in the right matchup. Um, Antoine, I noticed this during the postal fight, and I don't think I said it because I just didn't care to, but, like, he's so thirsty on offense that he puts himself in danger sometimes. Now, yeah. I don't know if it'll catch up to him and, like, you know what I mean? Like, be an issue, but, yeah. He's he's a, he's a savage. Like, and, and I think, but I do think last night he showed that, when necessary, he could step back and box. He did do a bit of that, uh, and he did it well. And I think that's what wound up opening up the the, the knockdown. Uh, anything for you, Tim? No, sir. All right. Nothing from Tim. Uh, wh where do you go next with Gary Antoine? What do you think? Uh, I think you wait. It's It sucks, because I would really like to see the... Uh... The Rancis rematch, I think, like, the fight really got people excited from what I saw on Twitter. But um, Akhmedov and I forget who he's fighting. I'm forgetting the dude's name. They're on the Broner undercard Pueyo. for the W. Huh? Pueyo. Yeah, Alberto Pueyo. Pueyo. I thought you said Polo. I'm like, chicken? Like, what? Pueyo, yes. Close. <laughs> They're fighting. I think you wait for the winner and go go for the WBA, man. I think he's ready. And I think the winner of that fight would be like a perfect like continuation of his development. 
Yeah, I think that that sounds about right. And then I I, I also think that then you do the Rancis rematch. Because then it makes sense as a main event. It's a fight that I think a lot of people have a vested interest in. I I, I like that idea. Um, I saw Sergey Drevyanchenko on the... I didn't watch the YouTube undercard yet. Um, He went the distance with Joshua Conley. Looks like he won just about every round. Did did Sergey look like himself or did he look like a guy that lost four of his last five fights? Um, From where I was, from my vantage point, it, I was like disappointed with the start of the fight. It kind of felt like Sergey was trying to get rounds in more, more so than like just getting the dub. Cause the, the dude he was fighting was like, it's like a solid little fighter, but there's no way he was going to like hurt, knock out, stop Dervinchenko. So I was waiting for him to kind of like turn up and do his little Tasmanian devil thing. And he did get into that bag like later on into the fight. But, um, but yes, yeah, I mean, he looked decent. I wouldn't say like he looked. He didn't put on like an insane performance that left me like in awe, but I definitely think like, you know, he's, I, I think PBC has a couple guys at 160 that could be matched up and make decent fights. Like Lars there. Um, what's the guy that fought Charlo G's at that Samson kid? Rosario? No, 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 no. No, that fought Jamal. Oh, Montiel. You got Monty. So you got Montiel, Lara, Charlo. Derevinchenko and Adamus, I, I and and like some more like lower level guys like um oh, I always forget this guy's name whatever but there's a couple guys out there that could make decent matches I think Derevinchenko's ready for like that level not the championship level because he's lost there too many times but like right below it. Um, heading over to the news, did you guys uh, see the super big um, ground? shattering news from yesterday are you um no, i'm not sure what you're talking about i i know how i would answer but i'm now i'm wondering if you're fishing for something or trolling me for something i should say uh tim i feel like this would be right up your alley but um the jake paul Hasim rockman jr card was canceled Oh, that is what uh, that is what I thought you were going to say. Overweight issues, apparently. Now, this has been disputed. Um, Hasim came out and said, "I've been weighed like every week, basically by the was it the WBC? Maybe he had been weighed, and his weight was not an issue. He had, he didn't even weigh in this week, so." He's saying that there are other reasons why the fight was canceled. One such reason that I've seen repeated uh, in many places is that the ticket sales weren't doing too hot, and therefore it made sense to uh, just, you know, hit the uh, abort button. How do you guys feel about this? That's a funny theory. I didn't even think about that. I didn't either. Why else would you cancel the fight? Did you actually think it was a weight issue? I don't know. I, I, I believe the weight issue. I'm just like, I'm tired of like the Jake Paul gimmick. I feel like all his fights are like, they're far too gimmicked out for my liking to be doing them like t- like multiple times a year. And so like when the, new, the news came out, I was like, good. Like they can fight someone his size that actually boxes and let's move on with like, 
this Jake Paul nonsense. It's just too it's too corny for me. <laughs> but like this is what I was talking about with uh Danny versus Laura and which is like all over media, which is where we've we've reached a point where it makes so, like well what people hey, real quick, I'm sorry to cut you off. But I predicted this when we last talked about Jake Paul. I said, "No, you didn't." I did not that it would get canceled. I didn't predict that, but I did predict that they're going to have issues. Be, like if the ticket sales thing is true, they're going to have issues because, like, how many Nate Robinsons and Tyrone Woodleys can Jake Paul fight on paper? You said you're he was run running out of opponents. And he, what was okay? So if that ticket sales shit is true, that my my statement stands true. They would have to bring out like Conor McGregor or someone that's like a way bigger star than he is, and that's probably not going to happen. Now, what I'm about to say may be really stupid, all right? But hear me out. Why don't they just not do a pay-per-view and have Jake fight like... I mean, I, I know why you don't, but like... If Jake... Like, he was going to get a WBC ranking if he had won this fight, meaning they'd toss him like, what, I think WBC goes top 20? He would be like the twentieth ranked cruiserweight in the world. Well, that's, that's the point too, right? Like, if he's really serious about boxing, which he seems to be, as far as how he prepares, he says he is. I mean, we'll take him at face value. How do you continue to grow and improve as a fighter, like you said, Angelo, doing what he's done so far for five or six fights? How do you do five more of those and improve to a point where now you're going to be ranked for a, a couple of, uh, you know, maybe a year in the WBC and you're going to uh, fight a top 20 WBC cruiserweight and he's going to get stretched. And I, and I want to say that uh, a counter to what you said, Lex, which is like, ah, oh, you know, they're, they're basically out of opponents. I disagree with that because if you think about it, They've made 12 fucking Fast and the Furious movies. And there's like, they're just, they're, there's, a, there's always a way. There's too much money. I, I will, we, we assume if it's, if the tickets weren't moving well, we would assume that maybe the luster's gone a little. But if the money is there in Jake Paul's name, there is a way to get somebody in the ring that could be a B side. This has got to be. Yeah, the guy on when they read the news on the undercard while uh, Dervianchenko was fighting uh, Luke, I forget Luke's last name. He uh, did they do like the web thing again? Yes. Oh god, it's so fucking bad. Oh, uh, they had. Uh, well, it was kind of cool because they had Steph and uh, Boots, so it was fun to listen to them. But all I don't right, know right. why they put them on the screen. Like I don't have to see them. I'm 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 enjoying this. Isn't Twitch? I'm enjoying it just fine. Just listening to them. But uh, Luke, he announces that the, the fight's canceled, and he goes, well, is the, is the whole card canceled? I'm like, dude, <laughs> where the fuck do you think the money's coming from? Yes, the whole think They're going to find a fucking canceled. Jake Paul opponent in three, on, on, on what, no, seven days' notice? No, no, they're going to scratch the Paul Rockman fight, and the rest of the card's going to go on <laughs> in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. Pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's, uh, that, was, that was kind of a, a dumb thing to say. Um, what, what's the deal with Showtime? I mean, doesn't he have, 
why couldn't he, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the way forward is, but the way forward is what you just said. He's got to start throwing cards with his promotional outfit that are of the right level. So he can continue to develop as a fighter. If, if this is what he's going to do, otherwise just keep doing what he's doing. And then four five, six fights from now, he'll just get stretched on pay-per-view and a big stadium fight. Oh, I don't think he's going to lose. I don't think he'll ever be in a fight where he is going to lose. So you don't think he'll take it to the conclusion? No. The, well, the conclusion is in him winning. <laughs> this is all WWE. Now we're, we're transferring no, into your other world. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's fixed or anything, but all I'm saying is like, they're not going to plan for this dude to take a loss. Like he might. That that's certainly a possibility, but they're gonna go in with every. They're gonna cross all the eyes or whatever the phrase is, and uh, they're gonna make sure that he's going in like with the deck stacked in his favor. Now, that doesn't mean like you know he's cheating or anything. It's just like, you know, Rockman has been dropped before three times by an overhand right, and that's really the only punch that Jake has that's got some some mustard on it, so, something like that. Um, but I, I think like they should try this dude against a real fighter from the start. And I I think they should start looking like they should just search Tim's timeline and be like, all right, just look for anywhere where it said cruiserweight. Now let's look through these guys. Cause clearly this is the level of opponent that, you know, this, a club level guy that, Jake should be fighting. But I you know, the the argument is could Jake actually beat a, a decent club club fighter who's undefeated? That's the question. You could make that argument that Hasim Rahman Jr is not a real fighter. Why I don't know that much about him. So how what would the argument be? I mean, he's 32 years old. Holy crap, really? He turned pro in 2017. So his dad's who he is and he turns pro what? at 25 26 years old and then i mean he's 12 fights 13 fights and two fights ago he's fighting on the club scene in in matamoros mexico against blown up super middleweights i mean what is what is he doing i mean what is he even doing hey by the way i i had the solution last night of course um i tweeted it out Sadly, uh, Jake didn't respond, but I know Saul Farah is already in cruiserweight shape. Just weighed in two weeks ago at the svelte 201 pounds. We could have saved this thing. Uh, over 100 pro fights. Honestly, Only needs a ticket from Bolivia to Madison Square Garden. Do you actually think that Jake Paul could beat him? Uh, well, let me say it this way. I think it's pretty well confirmed. Money's been exchanged both ways um, over the illustrious career of El Phoenix Assassino Farah. So I don't think we would ever know. <laughs> we wouldn't need to know is what you're uh, saying. <laughs> no. Anyway, sorry. I had to get that crack in there. I mean... Yeah, that 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 is true. 
I mean, I saw some names get thrown out. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., Anderson Silva. None of those are that interesting. As unfortunate as that is, I just don't think that those are uh, interesting opponents for Jake Paul. I think you need something with a little more shine. And like 57-year-old Anderson Silva doesn't have that. And then like Chavez Jr. Um, you don't it, think that's a good one? I would laugh and watch it, but I think to sell it... Um, it's it's a hard sell for Chavez Jr. because I think it's it's pretty well known at this point that like he just does not give a shit. So yeah, I don't I don't, I don't see that. Are there any other like pro fighter sons that we can we can pick? Trey Lip Morrison is he is he out there still? He tweeted about it. Did you? It's amazing that you actually even like were following close enough that you knew. Uh, nah, he just recently got knocked out. I don't know about him. I, I guess Hasim Rahman is in the same position. I don't know. Uh, he's he, he. This dude might actually be too heavy. Like he does not like the the lowest he's ever weighed was like two twenty, or he's actually laid two fifteen at one point. Anyway, um, coming up this week, what do we got? We were going to have a Jake Paul pay-per-view, but that is not to be, unfortunately. And Lex, um, we, we missed out on seeing Ashton Silve uh, on that undercard. Yo, that's right. I forgot, man. Yeah, it's a bummer. That was the, That's the biggest loss about the fight falling through. I would have liked to see him the first time on TV, but it's how it be sometimes. Uh, you know, from what I've seen of him, I can take it or leave it. Sorry, continue. <laughs> so I'm I'm sorry, Tim. I didn't mean to rain on your parade there. No, but, no, uh, it's all right. Um, let's see. We have, I guess, the only like notable fight that's we're gonna have this weekend is the Virgil Ortiz Michael McKinson take two fight. Um, you're not which, excited about Michael Conlon? Oh, is he fighting? Yeah, yeah, he is. Saturday Boxer in Belfast. Show it, jeez. He, no, he's on the. Yeah, I noticed that too. He's on the bottom of the listing of Boxrec on Saturday in Belfast. That's, they don't have him listed as the first or se- even second fight. Is 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 the fight that bad? No, it's actually pretty good. They've got him fighting. Uh, you'll you'll know him very well. Uh, what's uh the Colombian guy, uh Miguel uh, Mariaga? There's no shot. You said Miguel. Miguel, sorry, sorry. sorry. Miguel. I, was already, I was always prepping my mouth for Mar- Mariaga. Miguel I know, Mariaga. You're, you're always so like aware of trying to say people's names correctly, and then you just butcher Miguel. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's uh, actually a pretty good fight for coming off a knockout. Well, I mean, not just a knockout, but just like the, bouncing your head off of like the 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 cement floor or whatever he did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've just never enjoyed watching Michael Conlon fight. So I, I'm sure, you know, so, so there's that going into it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he responds to being knocked out. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not excited about the, the Ortiz McKinson fight. I, I did not like what I saw from McKinson. Uh, in that first fight, like if he has his way in this fight, which I don't think he will, but if he did, it would make for a dreadful fight to watch. 
uh, and I don't know about you guys, but there's nothing worse than, um, even worse than two counterpunchers is a guy who walks forward and is aggressive, but can't figure out how to like pin down the guy who circles the ring and just jabs him. There's nothing more frustrating to watch than that because it's just like, you know what would happen if he did, but he can't pin him. And then uh, the undercard, I'm way more interested in the undercard, which is Blair Cobbs and Maurice Hooker. This is like right up my alley of, I mean, it's not quite cool and Angulo, like, but what is really like, you know, that's a standard that is almost impossible to meet. But Cobbs and Hooker is, is, is close. You know, Hooker's lost two of his last three and uh, two of those losses were kind of brutal. And Blair Cobbs uh, was basically in hiding in the wake of the loss to... By the way, pretty quick turnaround for both Conlon and Cobbs given the the way in which they were defeated in their last outings. Um, but the way he lost to uh, Alexis Rocha where... Have you, have you guys ever seen the movie The Little Rascals? Of course. You, you remember when uh, their, their car got stolen? And I think it was stolen. I don't remember. But they built that new go-kart, and it was just, like, the most rickety, like, shit you've ever seen. Yeah. It, it was, like, basically, imagine if that just started, like, falling apart one piece at a time. Like, that was Blair Cobbs in that fight, where it's, like, it lo- like he just looked like he, he shouldn't be able to be in the fight. He was in the fight, and then very quickly it all started to fall apart. Alexis Rocha, like, pummeled him in the ninth round and finished the fight. So, uh... Yeah, that that one appears like it is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for that fight. Anything stick out for you guys? Does anybody want to make the case for Ortiz and McKinson? Definitely not. I'm cool on that. Tim, any anything you're particularly looking forward to this weekend? The the, the reason why I know I don't want to, uh, I shouldn't be excited about. McKinson and Ortiz is even without knowing nothing about McKinson is seeing that he's 22 and 0 with two knockouts. Yeah. He fights I mean, he like might, it too. He might as well be a pole for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just terrible. Well, you know what's it? Blair Cobbs. Okay. Let me ask you, are you, are you, so you're really excited for Cobbs and hooker, huh? Because mm-hmm. Cobbs and Rocha, like, before the Rocha fight, I think it was pretty uniform that Cobbs was a gimmick. Like that was the standing oh, yeah. line, right? Mm-hmm. He's a gimmick. And then mm-hmm. maybe he raises his, you know, status on the Rocha fight because of, you know, it's a pretty competitive fight. I mean, I don't think there was any doubt of who was going to win, but it doesn't like he embarrassed himself. But, and then Hooker before the Ramirez fight, right? one of the best, you know, second tier welterweights. So on paper, it's just seems to me like hooker's just going to blaze through him within probably six, seven rounds. I think hooker is going to have a lot of success early. And if Cobbs doesn't gas out or anything might make this really interesting. Cause hooker is chinny. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I get it, but, but, you know, your point stands that like you're looking at it from a perspective of like, oh, this is predictable or like, you know, there's two there's clear separation of the talent going to be on display here. Uh, I'm not looking at that. I don't care. 
Like, even if Maurice Hooker, like, just destroys him for six rounds, or Blair Cobbs does the reverse, which I, I think, I, I'm not counting Blair Cobbs out in this fight. I think it will be fun to watch, is what I'll say. Sure. Which is, I can't say that about the main event. Like, obviously, Virgil is very good. Um, you know, he, he has a future in the welterweight division. Michael McKinson does not. And if the unforgivable or the unthinkable happens and McKinson wins, I'll come back next week and be like, yeah, I was wrong. Uh, and we and we were wrong to uh, discount the silky smooth skills of a 22-0 fighter who's only knocked out or stopped two of his opponents. I, I actually don't think he's ever knocked a guy out. I think they're stoppages. Um, I'll, I'll come on and say it, but as it stands right now, just on paper, like the main event, not that interesting. Hooker Cobbs is interesting. I think Alex Martin and Hank Lundy could be pretty interesting if that fight even happens. I think it could be pretty interesting. Uh, Hank Lundy has probably lost like eight of his last 10, but I could be wrong on that. And then Martin looked okay um, against McKinson. He looked all right. Uh, and then there's also Esparza versus Guzman, which is a unification in the light flyweight division or, or no, the flyweight division, which is hilarious because... Uh, Golden Boy not missing a beat, replacing Sinisa Estrada with Marlon Esparza. And then there's also, I think the, uh, she's, I think she's from Costa Rica or something like that, who's also just basically, they're going to trot her out there and be like, no one knows the difference. Um, so yeah, the Conlon card, I, I don't even know who's on that card. Is there anything good on it? Yeah, it's not. There's a there's a couple of good good fighters on there. I mean, I don't I don't know what you think of Pedro McCrory. He's thirteen and all. Marco Antonio Parabon is who he's in with. Yo, I like the return of Marco Antonio Parabon, the the uh, famed receipt recipient of the forty five punch combination. Oh no, that was Rogelio Medina. Marco Antonio <laughs> yeah, Parabon different. is the one who got beat by James DeGale. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. So that guy's been everywhere. Uh, I can't believe he's only got like 30 fights. But uh, the other one that'll be fun is Paddy Donovan, welterweight, 8-0, Irish kid. The the overall aura for that fight, I think, you know, the, yeah, the aura. Uh, what am I trying to say? Atmosphere will be really fun. Oh. Donovan's, uh, the Irish love Donovan. He's pretty limited, but they love that guy. So I don't know. It, it might be okay. You know, hey, the uh, here's one for you. Uh, now, I'm not a betting man, so don't anybody listening do not like run to the table to see if there's odds on this. But you know, our favorite um, prospect from the UK, Campbell Hatton, is fighting on Saturday on a different card, and they're putting him in with a Czech who I've seen a bunch of times named Michael Dufik and Dufik is 34, 23 and two. And has only been knocked out seven times. He's 39 years old. Now this could go just, you know, he could just be coming in there to lay down, but he lost his last fight. He won like 10 fights in a row before that. And, and granted it all in the Czech Republic and pretty limited opposition, but all things considered with what we know about Campbell Hatton, this is a pretty significant upgrade 
for him step up. So it'll be interesting to see how that fight plays out. Uh, I'm just looking at his box rack, just focusing on times that he's fought outside of uh, the Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. Track record's pretty good for going the distance uh, or or deep into fights. He even has a, a, a loss to Romeo Romeo. Went to, decision, went to a decision with Rod Selka. I don't know, Tim. That's a pretty astute observation you've made here. Totally depends on... We'll know after the first round. He could just be going in there to be another uh, body on Campbell's he- uh, boxer. Well, I mean, Campbell's never only know got two stoppages, guys. but you know. And those guys looked like scheduled stoppages. But anyway, we'll see. All right, well, we'll wrap it up right right here. Thank you uh, for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, leave a rating or review, a good one, of course. Um, if you want more pod or more content, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Sunday Puncher. We did a whole bit uh, before we recorded here talking about a bit more about UK boxing. We talked about Tim's uh, illustrious career as a an amateur hockey player and how that might have some connection to boxing and a bunch of other stuff that I do not remember at this point. Oh, Lex talked about being at the Barclay Center and some stuff that maybe we wouldn't have covered on this main podcast. So if you want to hear that, go check that out. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will be back next week.